Welcome to the Stories or Soul Food podcast with your hosts, Brian Cole and best-selling author, N.D. Wilson. This audio is brought to you by Cannonball Books and Great Homeschool Conventions. This is uh, Stories or Soul Food, and we are here. Episode 3700. Yeah, we don't do the numbers anymore. Because we get them wrong. Yep. But anyways, we're here with special guest, comicer. Legend. Legend. Doug Tenaple. A horrible influence on many, many people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and a wonderful influence on many, many people. Yep. Uh, we're here yeah. to talk to you about being a, uh, well, what, what do you want to talk to him about, Brian? Because I know what I want to talk to him about. What do well, you do? I mean, I have my ideas too, but you were already Go doing first. them. Go first. Okay. Well, my favorite idea is I was reading some, some creature tech last night and yeah. uh, Doug's first work and he kept saying to himself, whatever this is, we need more of this book as he was trying to write it, right? That's how that yeah. went. And, yep, I, and, right. and so my question is, if you had to reduce your books down to one thing, like what is that thing? What, am, what is that? Because I also was reading the start of Earthworm Jim and it was saying, you know, you were saying my books aren't, a lot of authors say my books are written out of blood, you know, they're, they're my yeah. blood. But you said yeah. they're, they're pure, what did you say again? And then the Earthworm, pure mirth, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's jo out of joy. Well, it's only because, especially on Creature Tech and now probably Earthworm Jim is back on Creature Tech, that was before my career took off in comics. So... I did not assume it would be successful. So then suddenly, instead of doing it for money, because I, I like doing stuff for money too, but when you do <laughs> stuff for money, you start to kind of change the way you do things, you know, yeah. when you appeal to a crowd. If you look at my YouTube channel, it's very much appealing to a crowd a certain way. So it might not be the way that I speak extemporaneously, but Creature Tech very much is because I just didn't know if anyone would ever see it. I had no idea it would be this one of my biggest hits. You know, 20 years later, people still read it and love it. Right. Yeah. So, so that's what I mean by they come and Earthworm Jim's different because that's going to make money no matter what I write. So, again, I can do it for all the right reasons. <laughs> because <laughs> I don't have to try to convince people to like something. They already came. They're already it. in. They already, they already yeah, backed so it. So now yeah. I get to make whatever. And so mirth and then creature tech is more, I was reading a lot of theology and a lot of just fun, you know, theology books like JP Moreland and intelligent design stuff and Greg Kokel, Stand to Reason stuff, you know, the thinkers kind of William Lane Craig. Obviously, I put Doug Wilson in that same group. And so I like I would I like the idea of writing stories that have some theology in it. Sure. That is not just the basic gospel. Right. So I, I do I would I do like I, my first job is of course to preach the gospel. But when you're talking about like a brainy sci-fi thing, I, I like the idea, for instance, of like if you played with free will or if you played yeah. with, um, you know, holiness or why um, it appears that bad people um, succeed and good people suffer. Like those would be great things to explore in story. Yeah. Our last so episode, what, we were talking about, uh, we had my sisters on who were talking about the, the point of literature is to teach and delight. And coming from Spencer, then also C.S. Lewis, who said the same thing, basically. Yeah. You know, yeah. you want to have some grist in there. You want to have some meat. 
you're not trying to teach Sunday school. You're not trying to That's like right. spell stuff out, but you are trying to explore. You're, you're trying to explore themes and questions, and to get the right. the reader to do the same. But also, you're trying to delight, to bring pleasure, to feed. Yeah, and you and you may not hammer the truth home perfectly because you're sure. exploring it through story and character yeah. and stuff like that. But you're not doing careful analysis. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. there does have to be that that splendor and wonder that needs to feel you know spontaneous like life, or it won't read like a you know, like a wonderful tale. Yeah. Right. I mean, you have in uh, Creature Tech, you have an overt conversion scene. And yeah. yet at the same time, it's handled in such a fun, well, I mean, for one thing, it's a conversion scene via parasite. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, sort of. It's so, an alien parasite. Yeah, which is, you know, something we've seen in a lot of literature. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the age old yeah. trope of conversion by <laughs> parasite. <laughs> and uh, I thought that that was fantastic because so many people, when they put a conversion scene in it, it will feel very ham handed. And yours felt almost like a light, I don't know, a bit of frosting on the top there <laughs> that kind of helped get your book. Yeah. Uh, it, it was amazing. I kept and then, a, by the it, way, he he could have come to that moment and seen, you know, Jesus on an alien cross, and and even rejected him, and the gospel still would have come true because it would have it would have shown, yeah, that, it would have been there that Jesus was destined to die, kind of thing for sins. But the conversion just seemed more, you know, it's kind of a Doc Hollywood story where, you know, you leave the hometown, and you're all judgmental of your small town roots, then you come back yeah. to it. And you kind of with a little more maturity and you see another side of it and then you you better embrace it. You know, you transcend the idea of it just being where you kind of where you think that the high minded stuff of, you know, snobby academia or whatever. And you immediately dismiss your up your upbringing, your small town culture and all those things. And I think we're all tempted to do that on the Internet every day. And I was working <laughs> a lot in Hollywood at the time and video games and in big media. And I just really felt that thing of like, rednecks are so stupid <laughs> and country music is terrible. And, <laughs> you know, people who swing a hammer are so dumb. And so I just flipped it all on its head in that book. Right. One of some of the smartest people in the world are these kind of stoic guys and right so it was kind of a tribute to my upbringing of saying i left the city i went to la and, and realized a lot of those things i was running from were great things that i that i have since kept with me all the way into my adulthood and it's been it's been a great foundation to judge a completely lost stupid world <laughs> <laughs> so if we if we looked at your catalog because you have a very well, your your stories are wild. Uh, they go yeah. a lot. They go a lot of places. Other stories do not go, and part of that's just out of your joy, out of your out of your particular unique sense of humor, then your desire to to draw and push the unexpected. Yeah, but you really don't know what's going to happen when you turn a page. Yeah, but of and, this and catalog, I'm, also, I'm Nate. I'm also a little bit of a jerk. <laughs> We we know I have a mouth on me. Yeah, you're a little bit of a that, jerk, but you're also one of the nicest guys that there. That there yeah, is. I have a jerk you, with you a heart. A jerk with a heart. A jerk with a, a strong <laughs> guilt, guilty sense after you've been a jerk. I'm oh. like Bill Murray at the end of Groundhog Day. I'm a jerk <laughs> with, a, with a heart. But, but, but that, that really is probably there's a rebellious sense in me that may not always serve me well because I've got a mouth on me. And maybe I like um, shaking things up or I feel like I'm being shallow if I'm not just dropping verbal bombs everywhere. That's, you know, I'm virtue signaling to me. 
yeah. to everyone else to keep me on. <laughs> so and, I was I was gonna say if we but if we walk walk through this, if you got to pick like the the series or books of yours that were in every Christian kid's library, what would those be? What would be the ones that you think this is the meal that I really want to have fed to millions of little Christian imaginations that will help equip them to be, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, creatively, jerks. spiritually jerks, jerks the right the kind of, yeah, will, will help them be, you know, the better people. And I don't sure. mean uh, not just moralistically, but like in terms of their imaginations and soul food, that's our podcast or is there soul food? So sure. Which ones would My, be that your go-to, your go-to meals for the millions of little Christians out there? I've got two that immediately come to mind and, and one is cardboard and yeah. one mm. is the newts yep. trilogy for different reasons. But the Newt's trilogy, uh, I, I have to caution myself from from recommending that one because it just didn't seem to land with the audience the way I wanted it to, whereas Cardboard did. Yeah. Hmm. What, can you so, say more about that? Sure. I mean, Cardboard, all those characters are me. So there's an unemployed carpenter, and that's how Nate and I feel when we're unemployed <laughs> writer, writers and nothing's hidden. <laughs> and you and you have a kid, yep. you know, who who uh, and then. Must find uh, so, money. <laughs> yeah. And then you have the bad kid in that who rep very much represents me with my bad mouth. And he, he gets kind of um, restored at the end or converted at the end in his own way. And then there's the wonder of cardboard, which represents our art form of trying to make something real out of stuff that's not real. So in that case, it's about cardboard where it comes alive. But in our case, it's you're using words to try and build a world or convince people of something that might change them and you, you know, in some way. And and then sometimes it can get out of control, you know, and blow up on you. And that's kind of what cardboard's about. And it really is probably the best thing I've ever written. That's the book that if I had to read another one of my books, I never do. But if I had to, it would be cardboard. <laughs> Yeah, and wh um, what's the point of reading your own books? You already yeah, did them. You've been there and you can't change anything, so you don't want to go back through and see stuff that you would change. Well, that's right. It, yeah, and I rewrote, you rewrite them so many times and you yeah. edit them and everything. That's just like, I'm, I'm done with this. Yeah. And the other one would be um, Newt's where, you know, Newt's is like my tribute to creation and to God's creativity, where the first animal, you know, that really got me to where I knew there was a God was when I was five and I saw my first like tad uh, salamander tadpole <laughs> sitting in a puddle. I went like, what is that? My dad <laughs> took me fishing up on the Oregon coast. And, and you know, that's from your uncle that, you know, we love amphibians. Yep. We're, we're crazy about animals, and things like that. And there is a wildness and a wonder, uh, a ruthlessness of adventure that every animal, you come into a creek and you go, how did that thing survive you know, yeah yeah for sure every there's all are, these narratives in all the corners of the universe of people in people things in existential struggles yeah like just battling battling to exist yeah. for another day but without getting eaten by a crawdad <laughs> and then and then amphibians especially are are i see them as a a very useful storytelling element in that they they have a dual nature they they yeah. partly live in water and partly live on land and so there's something to me that was always very they're soft they're adorable yeah yep i've actually were, i've never yeah, quite under, i've never beautiful. quite understood people who didn't find them really cute like and the, when and I, the when transformation I, yeah it, the transformation happens before i've seen that you know the tadpole actually the 
the arm, you know, bulge under the skin and then tear through the skin. The left arm goes through its vent where it, where it gets its water breathing apparatus, literally clogs the vent so it can't breathe through it anymore, forces it up to the surface. Its mouth goes from a sucker mouth. It rips yep. wide to be a frog. And you can see this stuff happen. So, which is, which so, is by the way, not realistic at all. <laughs> yeah I'm just well, like it just it just isn't by the people's definition of realism it's right. that's completely fanciful it's completely fantastic yeah uh, it's in, like in every sense yeah comes from all science fiction comes from amphibians insects and octopi pretty much <laughs> <all of> <laughs> like a okay, squid too right <laughs> squid, there we go squids. we got them some ink squirting cuttlefish everything yeah, some <laughs> covers, yeah. covers, covers pretty much all of it and so so there's something about that that just um nailed me on the wonder side of things and it's wonderful and you'll notice that two of the main characters in the book one's born with withered legs you know they're yeah. born in wheelchairs yeah they're completely seduced by evil so it was kind of a fairy tale for kids about how wonderful life is even though sometimes you get a raw deal yeah mm -hmm. yep that's uh so newts and cardboard dies. but you Euro said the newts newts doesn't land the way you wanted it to just mean, yeah. and actually that, I don't think that's something you should necessarily, it doesn't mean you need to reassess, but it's, it's kind of funny. Cause I, if I think about my series, it's like, well, one, the 100 Coverage series has been the far more popular series. Yeah. It's huge. Uh, but the Ashdown burial series has the, the block of just fire breathing fans. So the fans of Ashdown, you know, have, they, they are zealots and, yeah. and they are far fewer, you know? Tens of thousands, yeah. not hundreds of thousands. Um, but you respect them more because they're yeah. more potent. Yeah, and it's funny, but I also, they, they, but they put more into it they, and they got more out of the books. So there's stuff that's in those books that they found, that they sought out, that they discovered. And that it's it just interesting. So I can't, I don't think I can look at Ashtown and say that's, that was a miss. You know, I, I can't say that, but I, I think you can say, why didn't that go on a massive international level the way coverage did? And I feel yeah. that way about Newts and Cardboard. Cardboard, I understand. I like them both, but it's Newts has got a lot more weirdness, which is funny, given uh, that it stays closer to reality in some ways. So, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. Because it's salamanders, Oops. but you didn't make those up. And Cardboard coming to life and doing all those crazy things is... Uh, is further from reality, but feels closer to, I think, a, a materialistic world. Well, I don't know. As far as, uh, you know, I've got four sons eight and under and i can vouch that cardboard and newts both just hit those little guys right where they needed it and, <laughs> and i mean my three-year-old just be flipping through both all of them just pictures pictures, see, pictures 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 yeah. and then you know they actually a lot of good questions about about stuff from those as well because the because of the bad kid especially in cardboard i think that's a, it's always nice and we'll to just watch call that. him doug from now on yeah exactly yeah. he based on me and my best friend when i was growing up so <laughs> i i know it was what so is... funny because i i you know i wrote um there was a scene in tommy Soros rex where I oh, that was the kid. next one i was gonna ask you about it's perfect yeah they pinned a kid down and they they put dog poop in his mouth and uh, my publisher at Scholastic said, can you remove that? Like, that's so cruel. I go, no, that actually happened to me and my friends. I go, well, that stays in. <laughs> so it's like, it's like a brutal moment. I go, but I think kids recognize that stuff is real. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's like your Voldemort scene, you know? Yeah. It's like, this is, it's like, well, it, it's kind of like uh, Lewis and Paralandra where the Dr. Ransom character discovers that true evil 
is just peeling the backs off of a frog. It's just really, yeah, it's yeah. really the, the devil character is like just yeah. destroying them so Satan, for his own sake. Satan is not grandiose and building these enormous cathedrals to himself with really complex architecture. He's just torturing frogs. And he's petty. Yeah. yeah, it's super, super. Evil at its most fundamental level is an extremely petty thing. But anyway, so I was then going to shift and say, so Doug, of your massive catalog, as a creator who's been a creator for a long time, do you have a shelf labeled uh, regrets or regerts? Are there, <laughs> are there books that you don't want on those little Christian kids shelves? Um, I mean, the closest thing to that was, would probably be Black Cherry and maybe my yeah. first book, Gear, are just kind of, Gear is just kind of a, a lot of potty humor. Yeah. Uh, Creature Tech went into that a little bit in the first printing, and I was able to clean some of that up. And then, and that was just where I was at in the 90s as a younger man. And then Black Cherry, I deliberately went dark. Like I was trying to put. Yeah, that's more, that's like a graphic novel for adults, though. At least it yeah. feels that way. Yeah. I mean, there's, and otherwise, not a lot. They're not, I, I guess I see all of the books as so imperfect that I don't take, I don't take pride in any one of them. I do take pride in the body of work just because I think by sheer volume, they're yeah. worth something. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And any one of them, it's very hard to stand by as a perfect story. And if I ever made a perfect story, I'd be done. You know, you just stop. <laughs> the thing that keeps me going is that they're, <laughs> they, they never quite, you know, I, I just can never quite stand up on that, on those tiptoes that I want to do on writing and art. Yeah, I and think so watching watching your books, the later versions with your, the huge launches where lots of people buy in, it's been so fun to see the physical book. You know, you've, yeah. you've got... You've got gloss on all the pages and metallic oh, yeah. foil stamps and cut through windows. How and- <laughs> is uh, how is Bigfoot Bill doing? Given that, like you, Earthworm Jim is such a huge brand, yeah, um, and well, just a brand with longevity. And Bigfoot Bill has been something that's been kind of like a companion launch, where yeah. you've done these it crowdfunding. Does it does less than half of Earthworm Jim, but you know, Earthworm Jim has so much built-in. It's got decades, decades. Then it's it, like yeah. A, yeah, it's just a bullet because it has a top-selling video game and a lot of nostalgia from the mid-90s going for it. And Bigfoot Bill, you know, I had to start from zero. Yeah, brand new. Very little penetration into the culture. And that's kind of a problem with being an independent person. You know, that's if you launched a brand new novel is it's just hard to get the word out on this new thing. And all my titles are brand new. So, you know, they, they tend to be unique. So launching stuff is really interesting right now and nobody really knows how to do it. So you've succeeded, you know, you've succeeded pretty extensively with your crowdfunding, Yeah, but that's, that was a new thing. So as publishers don't know how to market stuff right now, nobody knows how to market stuff right now. It's let alone independently. Can you imagine Nate being someone today? Like I feel most sorry for TV shows and movies because no one wants to see them. Yeah, there's so many compared compared to YouTube. Like one guy with like low fidelity, Mike, not a star, and like everyone wants to go see someone's YouTube channel. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Who, this, I think it's it's interesting because people can be at work or doing their homework or doing whatever, and they they bounce into YouTube quickly, and they can they're sort of telling themselves that they haven't slacked off they've not left their <laughs> yeah they've not left their desk but right. whereas like if they got up and walked over and turned on the tv or they jumped into netflix they know i have now i'm now not working so, yeah <laughs> i am not working 
Whereas yeah. the way people get drawn into YouTube is a completely different kind of yeah, and podcast that yeah, it's the water cooler visual to them, and they're the hugest yep. form enormous of media right now. And you know, people are sitting there not like when a podcast is really gripping. You know, people are sitting there not right now. For example, how many of you listeners are supposed to be working <laughs> and you're at your yeah. desk or doing whatever, and instead you've got your AirPods in or something, and you're listening, and it looks yeah. like you're working. Nobody else can hear what you're actually mentally engaged yeah. with. It's interesting. In fact, when when my wife and kids, if they're watching something lame, I'll put my pods in and I'll listen to a podcast. So I can <laughs> still be with the family during family hour watching a show. <laughs> and then I'm listening to a podcast. Do you know what we call that? We call that leadership. <laughs> <laughs> it's called being a bad dad. I'm even a bad TV dad. <laughs> no, that's fine. That, that is that's epic. So you're you are like every Christian creator ever a c.s lewis fan yep what's your favorite oh man um or even I mean, even just recurring like which one have you read the most it doesn't even have to be favorite but you go back god to in the dock the most yeah. okay but interesting i just i i adore him and and by the way i i tend to read theology and not fiction so yeah. both chesterton and lewis i read their their theology way more than their fiction if i was going to go to fiction i would go to tolkien so uh but of of c.s lewis's fiction i would say that hideous strength yeah. is probably the go to that and screw tape letters but screw tape letters can be so potent and so cruel it's and true it's almost unbearable to read yeah didn't lewis say so, that he got tired of writing that he didn't want to write more because it was an unpleasant it's just a knife that just keeps cutting you know <laughs> yes <laughs> it's like hard and to let's read, twist but. the blade again yeah <laughs> yeah I, so i'd probably go to mere christianity just for comfort reasons but of his fiction i think uh that hideous strength is where we're all going <laughs> yeah this is this it's where we are currently it's where we live no yeah. kidding it's one of those weird things where you you bounce back to old schaefer and, yeah. you, and you look at you look at a lot a lot of old cultural commentary fellas and realize how embarrassing it is how right they were where it's, yeah. it's kind of like it's like being in a bad sci-fi where uh or oedipus you're, st you're you're stuck in oedipus where there's a prophecy and we had decades to avoid this and we had decades somehow, and we're yet still somehow killing our dad here here we are here we yeah, are at the crossroads really, really is the bridge you know because he was really the one that grasped postmodernism. Yeah. he was there in the heat of it and Lewis and Chesterton and Tolkien were just watching it arise. They were they yeah. were still commenting on modernism. Yep. And Lewis, but, but what Lewis did, the thing that's funny is that I think just to like interject there, I think that Lewis, like an abolition of man in other places, yeah, he inserted like I think he had a, I think he had a clear awareness of the life cycle of modernism and postmodernism isn't really a new thing. It's more like the rotten decay of that old thing. Yeah. And so yeah. you see you see Schaefer grab and apply principles that Lewis outlined. But yeah. Schaefer was openly, you know, engaging, like you're saying, with the rot, with postmodernism, while the rest of us didn't even know that was a thing yet. Well, yeah, I'm just saying if, if Lewis had written Men Without Chests, you know, 30 years later, I think he could have nailed it in a right. way and blown it up in yep. a way that would blow everyone's minds. Whereas that was Schaefer's job because he came after it was really visual and yeah. present. Yeah, it's astounding. And Neil Postman, too, who wasn't a Christian, but Neil Postman kind of took off. Yeah. When I think of great works, he was kind of the, if I say Schaefer's in the 60s, then Neil Postman in the in the 80s is addressing it. Yeah, I think actually then, that's a good one to, to 
ping right now to even discuss so you postman's thesis was passive media uh yeah. makes you brain dead makes you dumber and dumber so amusing ourselves to death Right. Amusing ourselves to death. And you see everyone quote him now over the Huxley versus Orwell yeah. saying that's Postman was the first to write that. Yeah. So so that carried us over to I think the 90s apologetics is kind of how I see my library developing. There's kind of big holes between Lewis and the modern 90s apologetics. But he's he sure sets the meal down on modernism, which all postmodernism is hung on that yeah. foul thing and then postmodern live modernism lives in its eddy and then blew up yeah as its own thing yeah we are so in in uh your life as a creator right now what do you see is in the cultural you know riptide that we see going right now what's different what's different right now from two years ago four years ago what do you take it what are you bearing in mind as you create today well, culture is so dead now that I think of uh, Lord Bon Balthazar, who said, "Like if we if we reject beauty, she will, in an act of vengeance, will remove truth and goodness from us, hmm. Hmm. and pretty soon we will not be able to love." And I think it, that's what I see now. Is I I see us as really entering entering into a time of of complete despair because. We've the and so this probably goes back to the early 1900s of Wittgenstein and Derrida and maybe Camus later is that 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 atheistic uh, nothingness because no one can can believe that truth is there like they just don't believe it's there or they're trying to convince themselves not to and now you see that over the last year or two let's say. Uh, people being so skeptical of everything because we've been lied to by media that yeah. we're just we're throwing it out right and left. That does not mean that we're embracing the truth. It just means that now we're the ultimate skeptic of everything. So then you see things like the the conspiracies of QAnon blowing up on yeah. the right, which I always thought was just like three people, and now I'm like <laughs> yeah. going, "Holy cow! It's oh, yeah. huge!" Yeah, and the disinformation is huge on the right and the left, and that. Those people, and it's not like the middle believes the truth either. When I read David French, I'm like, no, the middle is just and, abdicated. They're just, they're just Goldberg. Yeah, yeah, they've gone nuts. So it's like everyone is is taking a giant daddy step away from what J.P. Moreland calls that correspondence theory of truth. Yep. And and so what I see in culture and storytelling is stories are are responding not by embracing truth, but just by embracing chaos self-indulgence nihilism nothing's true if you look at pix what pixar is putting out with soul these are stories about nothing with nothing to say in conclusion <laughs> they don't believe in, in conclusion, happy nothing yeah there's no happy endings there's no transcendent meaning that we're building up anymore and and i just i, I don't like it it's very bad for us all both as a society and even as the divided core of christianity is yeah. Just he's difficult. It's an awesome opportunity mm -hmm. at the same time. It, it is. Which I, is. I think we're revving up. I think we're revving up for revival. I think. Yeah, I think so too. It, there could be another Jesus movement just blows up because where else, as Paul says, where else will we go? Where else uh, yeah. can you go? Well, I, I think when you see, as what I've told my kids, is like this is what it looks like and smells like when an empire and a culture composts. 
Yeah. When they when they go to compost, when you've thrown them in the bin behind the kitchen with all the red worms and the raw eggs, and everything's just rotting down to a rich, dark soil that's got nothing. It just smells bad, and it's got it just has nothing. But out of that can spring, yeah, good uh, place for some, seeds. It can spring some amazing, amazing things, and yeah, and it will be really interesting. You're right. The creation of a vacuum, a massive moral vacuum. I mean, I, li- I love the absence of a lot of the idols. It's even interesting, the, the absence of mammon as an idol is extremely yeah. interesting. Like where conservatives are very confused, where it's like, wait, you don't want our money anymore? You're willing to just alienate half of your base? And, and tech says, yes. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. Because yeah, we're in it, we're now we're in it for this weird virtue thing that we, that we have. But even yeah. that's going to rot out really, really fast. And in the absence of of any kind of ethos, any kind of real mythical, you know, theological framework uh, to explain reality, we have all these just all this insanity, all this madness, and then light can shine, and there will be super weird cult movements. You know, Scientology will boom, but I think yeah. you're, I think you're right. There will be there will be a revival. I think there will be Jesus movement. You know, part do. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's the, coming. Yeah, the, the Jesus people, you know, the early 70s. Now, the problem is God is patient. Yeah, right. Problem. This is what my son is, says. He's like, his attention span so much longer than mine. I want it to happen now. Right. He's like, I want the change now. And he's like, look, right. I put people through 400 years of silence just for nothing. And, and then um, he also doesn't respect numbers. So <laughs> right. It, his only goal might just be to tighten up our families and just have us be the remnant. You know, so but, I, I don't you know, know even that makes a great it. makes a great limited limited series, right? Which time no, to, time to have the tenables live as a remnant <laughs> yeah. in Tennessee. That's what uh, uh, think, the, think of how many Hollywood movies have already told that story. Over you already know and deep over, down, yeah. he's not a respecter. They go, "There's always only one hero." Yeah, you know, I mean, it's not like there's eight million heroes. It's down to <laughs> one or two, and then, and, and then somehow we expect all of society to come along and act heroic. We're surprised. My, my other favorite is what they say about the technocracy is uh, they always, whether if it's Fight Club or taking down the Death Star, they always take it apart. You know, they yep. blow apart the technocracy with someone going in and just ruining going boom. It. And we always, the thing is, we've had our prophets. All of our prophets have been predicting very specific things for a long time, and no one has yeah. listened. Like Christian prophets, unbelieving prophets, Balaam's, yeah. all the sci-fi writers, all of them have been predicting yeah. one big scary thing. It's not like there has not been big warning signs along the road. There yeah. have been nothing but warning signs, and then and yet here we are at the exact moment where they're also saying, "Hey, look how good we are at making very very athletic robots." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like what is wrong with yeah, you people? They're doing backflips. Go read a book, please. And then, yeah. and then believe so, it. Do so, you not know where this goes? <laughs> so, as a storyteller, Nate, where will you go with your storytelling to, you know, attract probably the most disconnected, chaotic, ignorant, divisive audience ever? We want to tell them great stories. Yeah. How do you even get them to read it? Well, that's, yeah, those are two different questions, right? So the, the one, the one, yeah. So if we say one is, as I've thought through this and it's not, it's not exactly comparable, but it's similar. If you think about the golden age of Hollywood was when, and it was through the depression. And so when you have people going through 
people who are lost, people who are suffering, people who are struggling for purpose and survival and meaning. Uh, I, I think stories have to be fundamentally optimistic and joyful. And I think that flavor is going to stand out remarkably. And it's going to be like baking chocolate chip cookies and filling, you know, fi filling as much of the culture as I can with the smell of baking cookies while everybody else is wrestling each other, trying to shove dog poo in each other's mouths. <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah so if, if that's what's going on, on a, yeah. So everybody else is like rolling in the compost and you, I want to have my oven mitts on and an apron and be walking around with cookie sheets. That I wanna, <laughs> that's what I want to be doing. But at the same Remember time, five years ago, the big or five or 10 years ago, the big goal for us writers was, man, I hope I can nail a Hollywood deal. And right, now it's like, right. I would never touch that. <laughs> that <laughs> well, I, that I think that they would be third rail. Would they touch? Gonna... Would they touch me? That and we're, that's the weird thing. So I had uh, an executive told my manager uh, at a studio, it's like, oh, we're not buying anything from any cis white males right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. So if you were born a boy and, yeah. and you're white, then no, you may not sell us a story. Uh, and, yeah. I, and I think I, had a, I was meeting with an actress yesterday, actually. I mean, her comment was after meeting with a bunch of casting agents in New York and LA, she said, it's really, really weird how people are openly talking about, just like every other way, using, using this massive shutdown, using this massive collapse to remake the entertainment industry. Uh, with intentionality the way they want it on the other side of this. Yep. And yeah. so as it comes back online, uh, as production comes back online, as things accelerate, do not expect it to be the same thing at all. It is going to start skewing uh, in another direction, just the way tech does, just the way Twitter is and YouTube and everything yeah. else. Yeah. You thought Twitter it was leaning left the, already? The rainbow, the rainbow whopper. Yeah. Rainbow, yeah. Rainbow now. So I think that I want to, I want to, I mean, I want, I want to give real food. I want to serve real food. I want to be, we've talked about earlier on this podcast when we were first starting, we talked about my own kind of psychological approach to what I'm doing. I can't try to save the world. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm, when I'm trying to write a story, I cannot have delusions of grandeur and be thinking I'm saving the world. But yeah. what I can do is I can try to stand, you know, stand by the marathon track with these, with these cups of clean water. And if I have yeah. if I have clean water and good food that I'm just handing out, that will have an effect. And if I do it unto Christ, then I've done it to Christ. So you know, it's like when I was lost and despairing and full of emptiness, you told me a story. Is what I want to be told at the you know when I die. It's like yeah, that's and right. I can say when did I do that? You know, like just and just play that out exactly. So how do I offer clean, refreshing water and good food to people who've never had it before? Uh, yeah. The marketing piece is actually much, much trickier. And I think that now it's going to have to be platform-based and uh, you know, basically build our own platforms. Right. I think that's, snow why, and snowball that's why Cannonball them. Books exists. Yep, that's I why mean, we're doing what we're doing yeah. is yeah. because there was a time when the answer would be, oh, well, I'm going to go on the Today Show. I'm going to go on NPR. That's how I'm going to yeah. tell the world about it. And those, those are the old plays. That time of media has changed. And it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't work. And, well, and, and, and if it did, had, I couldn't be on it. <laughs> I've never had more opportunities to have more potent one-on-one -on -one time with people. You know, talk about giving a cup of water. Forget even giving it to a hundred people that watch my YouTube channel. I'm able to give it more potently to one now. Yeah, one person who emails me or calls. Yeah. 
or just people, guys who I have fun with and hang with, there's way more vulnerability there between people than I've ever seen before. There are, yeah, yep. And this is, and we have to be willing to hand it to one or to 10 or to 10,000. Yeah. And and however God wants to use it, because he can use that one cup to that one person to really tip the scales. Uh, or yeah, he can, the, or he can take your million readers and do nothing with it and let it all come to nothing. Yeah, but the but but the the, the tarnish, you know, certainly is present there. You know, the shines come off of yep. the mass media where I just go, you know, God's going to use me in culture by <laughs> I'm going to create a show and put it on Nickelodeon. Millions <laughs> of people are going to see it. I'm so over that. I'm just like, yeah, right. Or or I'm going to make my movie. And that's yeah. where I think a lot of Christian who all have these media and film departments. I'm like, you really get, you all really this is study mean. Kevin Smith from Clerks instead. Yep. It's like, learn to make yeah. your own little movie that's yeah. or your river thief, you know? Yeah, that's I, actually, I think that's, a, that's very, very true. And it's really sad to me. I think the saddest conversations I have are with cre- Christian creators who are just coming online. Like they're just now popping out of grad school or just now getting serious and they're thinking, how do I climb this greasy pole of secular approval and affirmation? Yeah. And it's like that pole is not there. It doesn't even exist anymore. And yeah. you know, it's it's collapsing. So when I look, I'm I'm grateful to have had the career that I've had, and I'm I'm grateful that I got in when I got in. But there's people who have people who've built their own platforms have an advantage right now. It's direct, yeah, it's direct to consumer. Is yeah. the future. Yep. Independence, build your own small audience that will come to your thing instead of just- And try to serve them well and try to really, really focus yeah. on serving the best food you possibly can. Um, yeah, the, you know, thing, the thing about Hollywood or movies or TV <laughs> that made it great wasn't its size. It was the potency of message. Yeah, And now, um, like I, we both know some of those- uh, right-wing lunatics that are funding Christian entertainment. They funded <laughs> one of my shorts, one of your people up there. <laughs> um, and uh, I, was able to record, I, I recorded Andy Dick the other night as a voice for one of the <laughs> things. And he, he asked me if I wanted to have sex with him and he, you know, he's always in and out of rehab and I was able to witness to him and just love him, just tell him how much I loved him. And that's a rare opportunity. And he, he, uh, he didn't get that kind of treatment from other people. Yeah. Hmm. So that's, that was, that's how I want Jesus to use me is to, I find broken people and fellow artists and animators and people in the arts. And I tell them, you know, that I love them and I'm rooting for them and I want them to create and make great stuff, but I never tell them. And the good news is you'll make a ton of money and be super famous, (laughs) (laughs) but it's not going to happen. Yes. Yes, that is strictly reserved for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just for me, please. <laughs> yeah, it's it is it's a wild time. And I'm I'm grateful to live in a wild time. We're here for a reason. And there are still a ton, millions and millions of young imaginations who are in desperate need of right, food. That, that was something my wife and I were desperate talking about. Desperate need of food right now. You know, the, you've got to be faithful. And that's not like that's new to Christian history. Yeah. You be faithful where you are. What not- should we do? We should be faithful. Yeah. Um, we should rejoice in the Lord because the other option is to curse God and die. <laughs> so, and, so like, that yeah, is, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Those that's are your, not even on my table. Giving right. up is no, not. There's door, but, that's, but if, you, if you distill it down to only two doors, right? Two doors yeah. in this moment, that's it. You can throw yeah. in your lot with God and whatever he's doing and try to be faithful or you can 
pull the Lot's wife. You can go with Job's wife. You know, you can. We got a lot of people bumping into door frames right now. I think uh, yeah. kick them through my, the door. My, uh, <laughs> my my evil door is Jonah. It's like Lord, don't even don't even save these people. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's, that's my danger. <laughs> Could you I, just I, burn I it to say, a crisp? I, yeah, burn it to a crisp. <laughs> and I also say, find your take my house too, Lord. Take my house first. My uh, that's my dark side. But also I say, find, find your allies is that Nate, you've been a, a very faithful yeah. ally in that you, you find pe- like-minded people that are on the same page who are creators and you can really build a sanctuary in the, in turmoil. And I yeah. think that's a great, that is going to be more and more important too, as the state comes down on us all, as culture comes down on us more, the, the communist underground model is going to. Is, is always going to be. Open. Isn't that funny? It is. Yeah, we we now. I tell I tell people all the time. We live in Sherwood Forest. We are eating the king's deer. That's yeah. that's what we do. And the communist underground model is exactly right. That's kind of how it's going to be for a little bit. And the deer are I tasty a, up here. I did practice home church last week. You know, we've been church shopping, so we've been going around all these churches. And I said today we're doing home church. And and so I have my wife and my four kids around the table, and we're gonna we're reading from First uh, Corinthians. And I said the reason why we're doing home church is I want I want to be in practice when we really have to do home church, <laughs> and not an option. I said I just want you to know what church is like with just us reading a Bible and singing a few hymns, because with no big screens and no big show and no amazing preacher, because uh, this is how. <laughs> This is how a whole lot of church happened in the last 2000 years. <laughs> so that, that brings up the last question, which is when are you moving? Oh, to Moscow? No, anywhere, yeah. anywhere, anywhere. Well, I'm here in Tennessee. So I already, I already made my California. I know you already burned the California bridge, but if you're, if you're prepping for home church, you know, Moscow's a great place. Moscow's a good spot. Well, I have, I have, to, I, I do love Moscow, but I, if there's one thing I hate about Tennessee, it's that it's brutally cold. <laughs> and if this place is brutally cold, boy, how well, am I going to ever take on We need to get Moscow. you up. We need to get you up here in February. Uh, yeah. So you can, you can actually experience how mild it is. Yeah. Well, so. I, I do love the, the Darren Down farm. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah. My second home out there, and that guy has it made. I, I love uh, everything. <laughs> Shout about out to Darren Doan. There we go. That's right. It's a, it's a very romantic thought to go out there. I do have, I do like growing wine where I'm planted, and I do love my the people in this area. I feel sorry for them because so many of them, I think, are just in need. Yeah. Of connection. Oh, there's, there's a lot of good people out there. It's a time. I'm, 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 in fact, when I was in California, I had nothing but compassion for those people too. I just wanted to. You subdued your Jonah impulse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I found I would find the secret Christians hidden in video game companies and animation, and I would just go. Oh, and then you brother, would out them on Twitter, and they, and they would get fired. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Moscow will always have a special place in my heart. Yeah, I think mostly because the Breakfast Club Diner. Is what yeah, I, I know. Is what yeah, I remember me and you, you. buddy, eating there. Oh, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> well, I'll so get you cute. up here again. We'll get you. We'll yeah. get you back, even if only on the podcast. Right. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. well, thank you very much, Doug, for your time. It's always fun to talk to you. Yep. Any of you people out there looking for visual, like visual stories that your kids could be with heart, fully absorbed and jerks. By. Yeah, jerks and heart. We uh, cardboard's the one. Start with you know you know where to start now. You've heard it from the man himself. And also newts. That's newts with two N's at the front.
<laughs> yes, it is. That's right. Be- because N-N-E-W-T. because why not? <laughs> well, so I could own the word. Now. Yep, I know. <laughs> so there. So that shh, don't tell that. That's no. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's part of the yeah. magic. Well, thanks a bunch, Doug. Go fight, win. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Yep, yep. Love you guys. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Stories or Soul Food podcast. Before you go, I wanted to recommend to you Indy Wilson's Notes from the Tilt-A-Whirl, Wide-Eyed Wonder in God's Spoken World. From the book, I love the world as it is because it is a story and it isn't stuck in one place. It's full of conflict and darkness like every good story, a world of surprises and questions to explore, and there's someone behind it. There are uncomfortable answers to the hows and whys and the whats. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through Him were all things made. Welcome to his poem, his play, his novel. Let the pages flick your thumbs. You can find Indy Wilson's Notes from the Tilt World wherever books are sold, and you can find the bookumentary on the Canon app.